I was tired of Stanford. We've been getting together too long. Like a worn out recording of a Jeff Jarrett song. So while Vince lay there sleeping, I read the Observer in bed. And in the personal columns, there was a bullet I read. If you hate her, Rakaran is. And listening to Mike today. If you're not into Hogan. And you hate Bobby the Brain. If you like Booker T at midnight. And squashing cruises like grapes. Then I got the job that you're looking for. Right to Ted and escape. Didn't think about my ratings. I don't even know what they mean. But me and my old ratings had fallen into that same old dull routine. So I wrote to the Observer, dedicated it to Ted. Though I'm no Lanny Poffo, I'll suck my in bed. Yes, I ate her, Rakaran is. I fucking hate Mike Tenay. I created Gangrel's Brood and pushed Stefan Shane. I gotta meet you by tomorrow noon to cut through Patterson's red tape at this place called the Garden where I'll plan my escape. So I waited with high hopes as Ted walked into place. I knew that stash in an instant I knew the fat on his face. I said, Ted, this is kind of shady. He said, I want a coup. Then we laughed for a moment. And I said, I never knew that you ate her is and that prick Mike today. You want to give me a promotion and then sell the company to Shane? Yeah, I'll push Booker T at midnight. And then I'll bury Dallas Page. I'm the rioter you're looking for. To make sure WCW dies. Because WCW must die. Well, ho, ho, ho. North-South Connection Podcast Network and Happy Thunder. Welcome to WCW Must Die. It's me, Johnny C., the guy who never shuts up. And uh, this week, we're here with a very, very special episode of WCW Must Die. It's our lucky number six. It's covering, finally again in the rotation, WCW Thunder. It's a historic night full of wonderful moments. And because of that, uh, we're going to switch things up a little bit this week. With me is a very special guest. Uh, you all know him as the host of the Merciless Hostility Podcast that's uh, here on the North-South Connection Podcast Network, uh, and that's Mr. Jake Williams. Jake, how the hell are you, man? What do you mean? This is Ryan from Boston. No, uh, sorry. Oh. I, told Ryan, I told Ryan I would do. He, he asked me. I told him I was doing the show, and he told me I needed to to do a Boston accent, so that's Ryan. But I, well, I'm well. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, did I get the name of your podcast right? Uh, close enough. It's like a okay. 
Yeah, I think you used the, the thesaurus version. Like you, 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 some, you twisted and, a bit, but that's fine. The, the meaning was still there. You better believe I looked up ruthless synonyms and aggression synonyms. Right. But here's the problem. Here's why I don't think that joke is going to land with people. My browser, for some reason, used Bing to find the oh. search results. Now, <laughs> I got to ask you, I mean, how would you how comfortable would you be getting like driving directions or buying a movie theater ticket through Bing? Uh, on like a scale of zero to ten. It's our first ranking of the night. Well, I, I would probably rank it pretty low unless um, I was trying to find pornography because it seems to be what Bing is kind of known for. So I guess if I was trying to find a store to buy pornography, then I would feel comfortable using Bing because I feel like that's kind of its main advantage on google i don't know are you familiar with this like of Uh, this is wow like i wish you could say i wish this was a visual medium because right now (laughs) my face is like i'm blown away like bing's the porn finder i thought i found porn every way that i could i've learned a new one here supposedly um allegedly it is the um the preferred search engine if you're trying to find porn i don't know that's the only thing i know about bing which maybe is not good for Bing's, you know, longevity against Google. But that's it. Anytime I've, I've always heard jokes about like, cause I guess like it doesn't filter things like Google does. Or something. I don't know, but that's the, seems to be the reputation that Bing has. It's for uh, looking up your X-rated materials. Well, last time we were on the podcast, which I know you all listen to, Jake, I know you listen to it. We talked about mm-hmm. side quests. And yes. I will, and, and, you know, just to, to trigger back to one of those, um, I was able to find the Buff Bagwell episode of, um, oh, what's it called? Um, Swingers? No. Gigolos. Uh, a lot quicker than I was on Google. So I'm going to give Bing two somethings up. I'm going to yeah, leave it right. at that. If you're looking for something to do with, like, nudity or, or sex, I think Bing's the way to go. But... Yeah, Buff Bagwell, male jiggle, that's true. Yes, uh, Buff, the, this is Antoine. I need you to feed my fish. Okay, Antoine, I'll feed your fish. That's no problem, sir. I'll feed it. But do you think maybe I can get paid up front? This is the, the I actually went with it and did a full-blown skit. God, oh, my God. So <laughs> what is your history with the year 2000 WCW? Are you a Russo mark or are you a Russo snark? And so, I don't really know what those things mean. I would say at the time I had kind of stopped watching WCW. I feel like by 99 I'd faded out. I mean, I was, I was pretty young and I'd always been more of a, uh, a WWF guy. I say guy, I was like eight or whatever. I was like a child. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was always growing up. Uh, ironically being from the deep South, like it kind of goes against the, I guess the, you know, common understanding that you would think I'd be more in a WCW, but I don't, I grew up, more into uh, WWF, and I'd watch WCW, obviously, too, when it was running super hot. But I would say by this point, I kind of, I don't think it was any kind of, like, uh, breaking point. Because, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was too young to have, like, well, the finger poke uh, pushed me away. Like, I didn't have anything like that. It was just more, like, holistic. Like, I just feel like WCW is cooling off as WWF was just getting hotter and hotter. And so like my 10 year old brain was just like, I don't know, without even actively thinking about it, kind of phased WCW out a bit and just kind of went full bore in the um, WWF, which I guess (laughs) my 10 year old stuff had a good eye for um, success because they would soon be out of business. 
Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. It's crazy how the ascension and the descent happened almost, you know, simultaneously. Um, real quick, I'm I learned something from this phone call just now. I learned that Skype does indeed have mute because when you said you were from the deep south, I thought of that yes. joke from I thought of that joke from Little Nicky where he's like, "I'm from the oh, south." Yeah. The, the deep south and then he just laughs to himself and no one else knows what he's laughing at i fucking love that joke it's a shitty awful movie <laughs> saw that movie in the theater actually i saw little nicky in the theater i remember it vividly i did around too. the same time i, I would have been watching this um and ready to rumble um yeah around this same time period as we uh as we get into the show soon which will be hey, relevant you, you, i got somewhat yeah. relevant i guess <laughs> You broke my butterfinger, baby. Love you know, I can't, I can't believe that one of the little so so little. This is kind of interesting. One of little Nikki's older brothers, famously Tiny Lister, aka yes, Zeus yeah. or Debo, whatever, or the dude from The Dark Knight who's like, "I'll do what you can't do," and he throws the thing in the you know the water. Oh yeah, huge. The Deep South is funny too because he really likes Popeyes, which. As a kid, when I watched Little Nicky, you know, it's set in New York. And as a kid from the the Deep South, if you want to go with it, <laughs> uh, uh, it kind of it was like my discovery that like Popeyes existed like in other places besides the South. Like it kind of blew my mind. I was like, they have Popeyes in New York? Like I didn't think New Yorkers would eat Popeyes. Yeah, they uh, Sandler used his one fuck per PG-13 movie on it with the Popeyes chicken is fucking awesome. Quite an honor. Yeah. Um, I've had Popeyes Sand, before. Sandler. If you get the PG-13 fuck, I mean, you're doing something right. For sure. And Sandler famously has acted with Kevin Nash, so it's about WCW. Uh, all the Popeyes around my neck of the woods, though, are attached to gas stations. Now, I don't have a problem with gas station restaurants per se because I used to travel a lot for work and had to frequent mm-hmm. these types of establishments. But there's a Taco Bell that's close to it that's – a part of a gas station that's probably closer to my house than I'd like to admit. And uh, I, I'm not, I'm not okay with that. That's one combination I don't do. I also one point famously, I say famously, and I'm the only person that knows, uh, stayed <laughs> in a, this small town for work all the time. And my hotel was right next to a KFC speedway combination, not fucking mm. happening. See, I don't do much kids. Like Popeye's is the, <laughs> to go back to old Nick is the shiznit. Around here, where like <laughs> KFC is like a peon, because like I'm from the the home of Popeyes, obviously. So Popeyes sure. is like ubiqu- ubiquitous here. It's like um, I would imagine it's like Dunkin' Don- Dunkin' Donuts in the Northeast. Like there are Popeyes everywhere. Like so everywhere you go, and it's crazy to me you would say it's in a gas station because I feel like here they're like so busy. Like a gas station will be like overwhelmed by the business oh. that Popeyes would get. Yeah, it's not busy. It's not busy here at all. The, all the Chick now all the Chick Fil A's are like that. That's a southern. Right. Well, we're all over the rails. Um, yeah, but hey, yeah, but Chick Fil A, but their their system is so quick because they only have like six menu items. So it's like which of the sixty one? I'll mm-hmm. throw them in a bag and here you fucking go. Right. Oh well. Yeah, you have to, so you'll, you'll have to rein me in on fast food, or, or I can talk fast food for a good forty five minutes if you. If you get well, the opportunity. So unfortunately, we I, yeah, <laughs> it's a little, it's, I'm a little embarrassed by how well I can speak on it. So it's WCW Thunder from April 26th in the year 2000. Um, 
This is season three, episode 16, which just kind of makes me chuckle. <laughs> right. I think it's, uh, uh, season three, some shows are getting their footing in season three. Thunder uh, maybe was, you know, m- maybe came out of the gate a little hotter. And by season three, it's it's things are getting a little rough. They're, well, they're maybe running. Things are <laughs> maybe not what they were in season one. Don't. Don't listen to him, fans. He's coming onto our <laughs> show and he's spreading lies. He's spreading lies about this episode of WCW Thunder because I'm telling you what, it's an all timer. It's in Syracuse, New York, uh, which is that's the home of the United States Marine Corps, right? Uh, <laughs> something like that. Um, a certain section there's, of them. There's at least nine of them there, right? Yeah, I heard, I heard the ones there are thugs, though, Johnny. So you got to watch out. Oh. Oh, they're beating up Sean. Oh, let's go. That's my British bulldog trying to rescue Sean now, Michaels. Now, you say this is from Syracuse, but, you know, we'll see later in the show. Uh, someone on the show uh, calls it by a different name. <laughs> I fucking can't wait because I don't have that. And you <laughs> make sure you point it out, please. So, oh, well, trust uh, me. <laughs> so for anyone who's new here, what we do is uh, we will share with you what factually happened on the April 26th year 2000 episode of WCW Thunder. And then we will talk about what actually happened. And this one starts off very strong with a video recap of everything that happened on Nitro. Well, mainly highlighting Sting um, having a very special time that visits him once every couple of weeks. And DDP winning the WCW World Heavyweight Championship from Jeff Jarrett. But the, the, the real important piece here is this uh video is scored to a fake ass version of bulls on parade by rage against the machine <laughs> yeah this is uh, quite a video package recapping all of the uh storylines in quotation marks was was it at this point you uh started to wonder what you'd gotten yourself into no it's the point where i was trying to like make like thread all of this together because i've seen this before and actually uh, i feel like i watched I don't think I watched the Thunders, but I'd gone through Nitro and I got to like late 2000 a while ago. But it's the way this era of WCW is. It's like, I feel like I could have watched this like three hours ago and still be struggling to try and piece together what the hell is like going on as far as the angles and stuff. And so that was yeah. that's what I was doing here. I was like, I remember this cage match for sure on Nitro where DDP wins the title. I remember that. But I would say all of the uh, the mid-card storylines were a little fuzzy, I have to say. Yeah, the, and I think that's really indicative of kind of WCW's problem with its lower, I don't want to say lower, but it's like mid to lower on the card talent is that even though they could perform at level X or level Y, you know, no one was getting past that gated, that very nice gated community in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, where Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan and all those guys lived, you know? Right. Now, you would I, if I look it up on Wikipedia, WCW is World Championship Wrestling. But tonight it's War Crimes Wrestling because we start with a straight up war crime. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett, Eric Bischoff, and Kimberly Page arrive in the arena, and they straight up have David Arquette kidnapped. It looks like they've had him since uh, Nitro's last episode because he's still wearing his gear. Uh, even though they revealed that they have uh, had him since earlier in the day. So here's what actually happened. Jeff Jarrett, Eric Bischoff, Kimberly Page do an interview segment where they reveal they've kidnapped Diamond Dallas Page, excuse me, kidnapped David Arquette, and they challenge Diamond Dallas Page 
to a tag team match tonight for the World Heavyweight Championship. Bischoff and Jarrett versus Arquette and DDP. Will he accept? So that's what happened. That's what the script called for. Now, Jake, why don't you tell me some of the things that happened in this segment? Right. So they are. The first thing that stood out to me is Arquette's wardrobe, which is like always seared into my brain from this whole deal. Like he just has on like this skin tight, like almost looks like velvet shirt or something. And these like leather pants and his underwear constantly showing. And he also like, I know he's a skinny guy, but next to all these wrestlers, he looks like he weighs about 46 pounds. He looks incredibly frail compared to these like huge wrestlers. It's insane. So it's, it's like they're, they're throwing around this emaciated man around the building in his, um, very glamorous, like, um, velveteen attire. Ooh, it does. It looks like that fabric that like when I rub my hands against like velour. Oh, I hate that shit. Right. Right. And yeah. mm No, go ahead, please. And also, the, another thing that struck me immediately as they, they take him out to the ring is that this arena that we're in is, like, tiny. It felt like they were in, like, a tiny airplane hangar or, like, a like I would say, like, a junior college auditorium or something or basketball, yeah. you know, this, like, uh, uh, gym. This is not a stat show, but I think I accidentally saw on Wiki that there were, like, I don't know, it's, like, 1,500 paid, like, in total in attendance. I don't even know if that's paid, but, like, total for this show tonight. Right. And like that's, being from that's the bad. deep, that's deep south, I think um, I think I've been to high school football games with higher attendance than this show. And roll tight on that. <laughs> um, there's some there's some really cool things happening here. Um, unfortunately, they they say that they one eight hundred beat his ass. OK. <laughs> and I have to just put this out there for anyone who listened to our last episode. I, I recommended perhaps contacting one eight hundred kick your butt as David Arquette recommended. Guys, don't do it. I have gotten legitimately like 40 to 50 spam calls a day <laughs> since I called that number. So don't do it. If you have already done it, it's not my problem. <laughs> but just you, you, you'd have to you have to figure it out because it's like too many numbers. So you're really only putting like one eight hundred kick my bu, I guess. Or yeah. kick <laughs> which you know, then if you start looking at um, you know, for the younger crowd. You know your youth, youthful listeners, that um, each of these numbers really could be three different letters. So the combinations are, are endless as to what that could have been. I um, I don't know if you knew ahead of time that Mike Tanay was going to be commenting this show, uh, or commentating <laughs> on this show. But during this segment, he goes, "It's as if they're holding him hostage," and legitimately, like it's out of a fucking comedy film, a brilliantly written comedy film. A beat passes, and Bobby the Brain Heenan says, "They are." <laughs> <laughs> a stew like, observation about Mike today. Yeah, the brain. Uh, God, I'm so happy he's here to work us through this shit because I, I think that I'm gonna make a bold statement. You know how like Dusty Rhodes commentary is low key like awesome. Like mm-hmm. I'm I want to put out there that year 2000 Thunder Bobby Heenan is also like legendary in its own way. Like it's of he course. Was- he had some good ones on this show. We'll, we'll get to them. But I, I have a yeah. few Bobby lines in here where I was like, damn, that's like almost a vintage Bobby line. Yeah. it's Now, it's not Rumble 92. Hey, guys, get you know, come on. But Heenan is certainly in a different mindset, and he's kind of like openly shitting on it. But right. since that's his character, he gets away with it. It's awesome. Right. 
Um, <laughs> Eric, Eric, you know, Jarrett has Arquette by the throat, and Bischoff goes, "Here, I'll hold the mic while you crack his neck." And Bobby goes, "Shh, let's listen." Eric Bischoff from in this era looks like. I mean, you could kind of understand why with, you know, everything he was doing and the amount of stress he was under, apparently. But, like, if you look at 96 Bischoff to here, he looks like he aged about 15 years. Like, he looked so young in the early WCW days, like when he first became, like, in charge. Here, he's like a uh, like a local business owner dad with, like, the gray hair. And, like, I imagine him driving, like, Camaro. Like, he, he makes a good amount of money but like he's probably divorced and that kind of thing like he looks he's a lot thicker than he was early in in, in you know the nwo and stuff he's uh he's definitely so, wearing the wcw years on him now as you're explaining what you think eric bischoff is like i want like an eric bischoff in the year 2000 while he's running wcw trying to get home for christmas tv movie like right. he's talking to Garrett, like it's okay, Garrett. I'll be home for Christmas. Oh, the Jingle world the outside way. is frightful. It'd be like, <laughs> can one man make it home for Christmas? You know, and it cut to Eric, like getting punched in the turnbuckle, being like, oh, I didn't sign up for this. Like really, yeah. really bad shit. David Arquette could be a son. Oh, now you know it, it's it is it is. Um, it is truly the gift that keeps on giving uh, this episode of Thunder. So DDP and Canyon try to come down and, and rescue Mr. Cox, as they constantly refer to him as uh, the buff of uh, the buff, the franchise and buff come down and try to, you know, sort of, you know, keep DDP in line. Eventually it, it erupts into a pure six for all DDP and Kimberly end up in the ring together. And uh, he straight up threatens the DDT here. Uh, were you proud of Mr. Page at this moment? Uh, it, maybe not to highlight for him. I mean, it was, you know, I feel like this is, is infinite, uh, Russo stuff here. Like, um, like, and this, this is something that kind of bothers me with this era of WCW is, and, you know, to, like, I feel like there's too much trying to, to be WWF, which I know is said about this era a lot, but like, to me, this felt like them trying to do. Like DDP going after Kimberly seems very attitude era WWF, and it's yeah. kind of like eh, I don't know. It felt off. It didn't feel like within DDP's character. I just don't the nut the the uh, the female to male nut shot in this era is just so telegraphed. I can't I right. can't do it, man. I can't handle. Although I will say that because like it's his actual wife and not like they're not two performers that don't have a relationship. She straight up goes for it, and like you can hear the the clank of the sack against uh, his, <laughs> the clank. his his yeah, um, <laughs> because you know we've all seen the awful like Ric Flair nut shots, for example, where his like inside mm. of his arm hits your nuts, and his hand is like way past your asshole. But she straight right. up went in for it and like actually made contact. So uh, it's one of the better nut shots I've seen in recent memory. Yeah, they clearly, um, like, uh, the, the wrestling low blow, they always, like, go up the side of the groin up into, like, the, the crevice in between the leg and the scrotum, usually. Like, it's very <laughs> obvious, to your point. Like, they're avoiding the actual, you know, where you could do some damage. But yeah, she laid it in. Yeah. China-esque, um, I would say. A China-esque low blow from uh, Kimberly. Well, later tonight, Tori Wilson will set the gold standard for, uh, you know, putting your fist in someone's anus instead of actually hitting them in the balls. 
So right. <laughs> so basically, yeah, all hell breaks loose. You know, we don't have an answer from DDP and Arquette still being held hostage. We we go back to our announcers and they set the stage for the show. What did you think of Bobby the Brain Heenan again in the second appearance on this show, rocking the Bobby Knight look? I feel like this is where Bobby was at this point. Very <laughs> um, like you're gonna put me on the B show. I'm not dressing up. I'm <laughs> I'm not going full swagged out, Bobby. You're gonna get uh, uh, what do you call that? Like um, there's like a term for that, like like athletic casual wear. Like oh, athletic oh, or something. At, at, athleisure, athleisure, athleisure. Yes, Bobby, very athleisure in this um 2001. Yeah. he would have been a big hit on Instagram. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He'd have been like, hey, just rocking my threads, dropping the kids off at school, pouty lips, Bobby Knight, <laughs> Bobby Heenan. You know, like I, I, I kind of want to see that. Uh, they let us know that Scott Hudson has a sit down interview with Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, which I absolutely cannot wait for. Uh, Tony asks, ponders if we'll get an explanation for why he hit Hogan with the chair. He asks Bobby why he thinks that Bret Hart took out Hogan. He, Bobby goes, everyone should hit Hogan with a chair. He needs it. Don't go bother someone else. <laughs> and then he picks up his like his paper, his uh, format, and starts crossing off like the lines that he promised everybody he would say. And then he's just got this blissful <laughs> grin on his face. It's fucking great. <laughs> uh, they they announced Sting versus the Wall in a table match tonight, and um, you know that they they send us to the back. Do you have uh, anything you want to add about this particular? Uh, you know, it's just the announcer setting the scene, but setting the scene. But you know, it's our first interaction with them. I didn't know if you have anything uh, more to say about them here. No, I think we should get into this this very hot angle that we're about to get into. Well, hell yeah, man! It's it's me, Gene, in the back with the cat giving an interview in in preparation for his match against Triple B, Bam Bam Bigelow. Have you ever touched the cat or his James Brown CD collection? Because apparently those are two lethal things to do in his presence. Right. I have not, thankfully. Or you wouldn't be speaking to me now. That that is true. Uh, Russo and Bischoff are pissed off that he helped Terry Funk by uh, hitting Bam Bam a couple nights ago on Nitro. He says, Bam Bam's a snake that bit me in the ass. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's. That's pretty awesome. The, the cat threatens Mean Gene because if you recall back in Street Stampede, Bam Bam attacked the cat while he was getting interviewed by Mean Gene. So the cat theorizes that, that Mean Gene might be in on it. And he just <laughs> is proving beyond a shadow of a doubt he's the most talented fucker or at least one of on this show. We love the cat here. Uh, yeah, I, I can get down with the cat. I hear the... And you may have been about to say this, but the line where he said um, about Bam Bam, your breasts are bigger than hers. <laughs> Which, uh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, that's that's yes. In the match, he definitely busts out breasts, which I haven't heard since like in living color. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's fucking genius. They so he wants to dance to hell with WCW. Another Russo. There's a lot of cuts in the back of this one, guys. I'm sorry, but cut to the back. Now, this is the one I was I'm kind of sad that Ryan's not here. But in a way, I'm glad because I think if he was here for these David Arquette being held hostage in the bowels of the arena, we wouldn't get past it. Because did you see the pipes in this room? (laughs) Tons of pipes. So many pipes throughout this. Yeah. This is like, you know, World 7 Super Mario Brothers 3 amount of pipes. Okay? Like, 
there's the giant level, the ice level, the sand level. Right. This is the fucking pipe world, man. This place is out of control. But they they do. They still have our cat hostage. And Jared says, you're in my world. And I'm just like, my world, my world. Because that's don't a song, Derek. right? Don't, yeah, don't forget the grating guitar sound at the beginning. Wow, we should start a band. We could call, we could call ourselves the Avengers. I don't think that's taken. Uh, Bishop says, 1-800, having fun yet? Again, I'm not calling. You can if you want. <laughs> it, it, takes, it takes us to our first match of the evening. Here's what happened. Ernest the Cat Miller defeats Bam and Bigelow via what I'm calling shoe nanigans. Yeah. Bobby, Bobby <laughs> Heenan loves the cat. It's fantastic. Like I, I can't tell Bobby actually likes the cat or if he much like uh or if he 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 knows that the cat's kind of getting away with whatever he wants uh and just popping the boys in the back kind of like what heenan's doing you know what i mean right the uh the ref was extremely even by wrestling ref uh standards extremely distractible during this he does a full like just starts kind of, he walk turns around starts looking the other way then does like a little shimmy in a circle while the cat's doing his shenanigans <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that was like the only offense the cat got in the entire match. It it was. I um I don't like to get into the weeds of like what happened right. beat by beat, but well, but here's the thing though. Right. This match was so was so short, and this was so intricate to it. I feel like I have to cover it. When Bam Bam comes out, the cat gets on the mic and says, "Cut the music." He says, "Bam Bam, you're my hero, man. I look up to you. When you hit right. me, I had to defend myself." So let WCW send a, another chump. I mean, a chump down here and bam bam does this weird thing where he's like hanging on the ropes like okay i'm gonna go like right. looks like he's surfing like I don't, I don't understand it it's pathetic and uh he goes before i go though i saw your mama out back and your breast assists are bigger than hers and yeah. and that's when the fight starts miss hancock comes in oh cat uh, he can't you know can't save himself here he could have got off but he just had to no. get his line in and now bam bam's after him that's right. Bam Bam brings in a chair. The ref tries to take it from him, and the cat is playing possum, and he has one red shoe on, and he hits the feliner, and he wins in, like, less than two minutes. Um, and I swear to God, I gave this four stars. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think it's hard for me to take remove my emotions from this with Bam Bam jobbing, because I do love Bam Bam and him jobbing. I, I know it is – I know it is Ernest the Cat, but I was a little disappointed because I love Bam Bam. But I think at this point, I mean, Bam Bam's not even wearing his bodysuit anymore, which is not a good sign for him. Oh, so, I you know, know, it's sad. I'll give it a, let's go, I'll give it two breastesses. How about that? Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. He didn't go negative. We're already off to a good start. I mean, yeah. Every, I mean, look, I rate these things on how entertained I am. And and when the segment started and the cat's music came out until the cat was off my TV screen, I was four stars entertained. I had a blast with this one. I give a, a whole uh, star just because the cat looked like the, uh, the, 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 uh, oh God, I can't think of the actor from the fifth element, the, uh, the singer guy. Oh, Chris, Chris Tucker. Yeah. Yes. Chris Tucker from the fifth element. He had that look with the, uh, extremely blonde hair going. So that's a, that's a well, star right there. And he does deliver the kind of Chris Tucker-esque line, don't ever touch the Cats James Brown CD collection. I don't remember right. if Rush Hour had happened yet, but it's possible. Uh, yeah, I think, I want to say Rush Hour is like, the original is like 99, so. I oh, we're there. okay, we're there, we're there. 
uh, we I don't know that we've ever gotten past rush hour three as a society, but we're still working on it, folks. Uh, Kidman and Tori are here. They have a very expensive car. Um, again, they always kind of look like they're heading to the prom. Uh, DDP is on the hunt for, you know, Pipe World. Do you think he negotiates with terrorists? I thought he wouldn't know. I thought this was like a walk-in freezer. Like, I was like, did he just look for our kid in a walk-in freezer? Because he opened like a big door. There were like cardboard boxes in there. How, how, what's the word? Labyrinthian is this tiny arena. Like It's it's a labyrinth-esque 1500 capacity major right, sports I like stadium. Could, I feel like he could search this arena in a good like three to four minutes. Like, yeah. this is not a huge building, DDP. Or... Yeah. Or <laughs> if he would just go to one three and crouch on the white brick, he could get a warp whistle and go straight to Pipe World. Right, right at the Syracuse War Memorial. Yeah, now if anyone can piece that reference together bit by bit, and you know, reach out to me on Twitter at Save Martha Russo, I I will be your best friend because you would have gotten that very intricate joke. I caught it. I, I caught it. I know where you're coming from. I'm, I'm Wait a minute. You. I'm following. You 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 were helping me out with a major problem I had on Twitter the other day when for random I just thought about Twisted Metal 2. Did you play a lot of Twisted Metal 2? I did play a lot of Twisted Metal 2. I'm who was your who was your go-to? Uh, you know, you know, it's kind of a cheese answer, but I would always play with um who was like the ghost guy? Because Mid- it, was, it was like Spectre. He's like a ghost. Oh, Yes. Because he had kind of an OP, like everybody in that game had like a special move, and his sure. was uh, was like a um, a ghost missile, but it was like a, a heat seeking missile, and it was like a ghost missile, so like go through buildings, so you could kind of cheese it a bit because you could just kind of keep waiting for it to recharge and keep firing those off, and you'd eventually kill everyone. But I also remember liking the. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of grotesque to think about that game now. Like the uh, what was the guy Axel or something? He was just like Axel. a man who's. Yeah, he's like yes. used into a, some tires. It's really uh, yeah, real yeah. Dark Crucif- shit in that game. He's a he's a crucified car. It's really crazy. A sweet tooth, a fuller ice man. cream man. Yeah, it's crazy shit. I was prone. I, I like to pick Warthog, the like hundred oh, yeah. year old military general, because whenever you shot his special missiles, the soundtrack went. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Give me Twisted Metal Two, Paris. The Paris level specifically, any yeah. day of the week, and I'm there. Love the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, yeah. That's right. You know who else loved the Eiffel Tower? Chris Champagne Canyon. And he defeated <laughs> the perfect one, Sean Stasiak, via the flatliner uh, in a real wrestling match. That was the next segment we got to. That's literally what happened via the script. So what actually happened? Yeah, I think you. this is one of those where, like, this – Actually, fairly conventional for 2000 Thunder standards. I mean, it was uh, to me that the biggest deal of this was perfect on commentary. Just kind of. Oh, talk, I know. Talking well, shit the entire time. When his theme song starts playing, I'm like, oh, my God, Kurt and Bobby on commentary. As the kids say on YouTube, let's go. OK, like I'm here for it. Um, Tanay asks Kurt Henning if he's upset. And he's like, what do I have to be upset about? And Tanae literally goes, the P word. Because he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to say perfect. Like that's the thing. Like, and yes. and perfect's mm, perfect's 
kind of playing Jeff Hardy here in the world famous no condition to work, I feel like. But that kind of makes it better. Right. I just I just think he's a little on the sauce as well. And that's fine. You know, he's of age to drink in this country. No problem. Um, but uh, unfortunately, he didn't. They, there was nothing really classic on. I mean, everybody was a big commentary guy. Did anything jump out at you? No, I, I'm the same way. It was just kind of, you know, run of the mill. Like he didn't have any killer lines or anything. He was just kind of generally kind of boasting. And yeah, I didn't catch anything too. He too memorable. Yeah, I, he did say at one point they said like why do you hate Sean Stasiak so much and he goes this guy tried to put Mr. Burt Ert Henning out of wrestling <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like yep you uh, you almost said Mr. Perfect there did you buddy uh, Perk Hennig yeah Burt Henning like... <laughs> but yeah it was like it was a wrestling match it was a uh, pretty conventional. Yeah, I gave it two plastic cups full of champagne, just literally out of respect uh, for Chris Canyon because he's a badass. Yeah, two two sounds about right. Paris, the, uh, yeah, he likes the uh, sh- the champagne region of France. Obviously. That's right, La Champagne. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, awesome comes out now and takes out Canyon basically as a way to write him out of the rest of the broadcast. We're, we're, now that <laughs> this I enjoyed quite a bit. Yes. Like, Yes. My favorite part That's, of the match was Awesome coming out wrecking people. Yeah, because Mike Awesome is cool. You thought I was going to say Awesome, didn't you? But that was just way too obvious. You need to get the thesaurus out, Johnny. Come on. Where's, I know, right? Well, the it was tremendous. Well, in the time that we have started this podcast, my children have returned home, so I had to shut down being, I'm sorry, America, <laughs> or whoever's listening. <laughs> if well, anyone's listening. Nope, nope, I'm blocking that shit. Um, as Awesome is putting, um, he puts Kenny through a table, though, like writing him off for the rest of the show. The camera cuts back to the ring where Henning and Stasiak have, I guess, been fighting. But Henning has Stasiak in the perfect plex. <laughs> I'm wondering, do you think he was in the perfect plex position the whole time? Just waiting there. <laughs> just, like, just through this arch, you know, it is just thrust in the air, just like. Hey, awesome! You're co- that's that's not a good card heading. I can't even do it. But yeah, I did at one point wonder if Teddy Long would come out and set up a tag team match because this was like perfect for that. Right, perfect. But that's what you did there. Oh, I didn't even. Wow, that's perfect. We have. That, I said it again. We got to roll on. Kidman and Tori are heading to the ring. At this point, Kidman slides down the rail like a rambunctious little Dennis the Menace. So I posed you this question. <laughs> Is Kidman more Bart Simpson or is he more Zach Morris? Uh, he's definitely not cool enough to be Bart Simpson. So he's going to have to be Zach Morris. Wait, you're proposing that Zach Morris is not as cool as Bart Simpson. Bart is eternally 10 years old. Right. Zach I mean, Morris honest, is governor of California. Kidman is nowhere near. Like they're on another tier from Kidman as far as um, coolness here. Because <laughs> uh, he's a dork. <laughs> but I never have been able to slide down one of those rails, so I am kind of jealous. Yeah, I've always uh, like bit it at the end. Like I get all the way to the end, but I can never stick to landing. I always end up just kind of, yeah. Kidman <laughs> comes out. <laughs> yeah, Kidman. So what happens is Kidman comes out and gives an interview that tears apart Hulk Hogan and makes an open challenge to anyone in the back to which Tori Wilson promises to give them the kiss of death, which I guess is going to be like a new gimmick thing where like 
if Kidman beats you, Tori gives you a like little kiss and it's like the kiss of death, but it's also, we beat your ass. So you deserve a little something for the effort. Um, right. But more importantly, fucking Mark Marrow is at ringside. They call him yeah. out on commentary and they show him on camera. He's full blown Johnny B bad mode. Where right. did that hair come? Where did that hair come from? It was short yeah. the last time I saw it. Yeah, he's got the mustache, everything. It was especially when you used to sing like modern day Mark Merrill, where he's had like where he has his uh plasticine skin that's <laughs> stretched so taut. So it's you know, to see him in this era, it's like seeing a different person. But yeah, he was in well, full like Johnny B. Bad with the handlebar mustache and everything. I don't want to put you on the spot, but and I'll admit I did not. Did you have any idea that there that he even ever came back? No, no. I was thinking like, because you know, a lot of this era of WCW can be fuzzy, and like I could watch it recently, and it just kind of like won't stick in my brain. So I was like, did I just forget this? Like, there's so many things that happened in this era that I wasn't sure if it's like, did this? Like, I didn't know if it was like really a, a one-off kind of thing, or if I just forgetting this angle. But yeah, it totally caught me off guard. Yeah, it's, I mean, and it's, to me, it's a cherry on top of what's already been a pretty awesome, I mean, we're nowhere near the ending, this is a Vince Russo written show, but it's like, wow, like, I love Thunder, because this is the shit that you get, it's like, if someone's like, hey, CM Punk and Brian Danielson had like a five-star match on this random episode of Shotgun Saturday Night, it's like, okay, that's cool, I believe that happened, like, that's what Thunder is, but for awesome garbage, <laughs> like, who would have thought, Mark Merrow's here, right. Uh, I gave Tori Wilson a 13 out of 10 here. I feel really bad doing it because this is not, you know, that type of show, but wow. Yeah. Just um, wow. She, yeah. She looked incredible. She always does. Um, the legend is dead. Uh, your kids want to be more like me is what Billy Kidman says. There's lots of F U N B signs though in the arena. Uh, they're making me nervous. Mm. Are you, are you down with the F N U B or F yeah, whatever it says. <laughs> Uh, uh <laughs> well no the fuck you the fuck you new blood hogan's new catchphrase uh you clearly right, didn't listen right. to our last episode so you're fired um no, no, you no actually no. i was i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm giving you a hard time i'm giving you a hard time no but um yeah i, I definitely th this whole hogan like again them trying to go a little bit too hard into the uh like emulating wwf where it's like all right all of a sudden hogan's got to start cursing because that's what the kids like is the cursing so, He's uh, just yeah. pretending to be Austin. He even has the black vest. Yeah, it's it's real. It's troubling. Do you think? Uh, do you think Tori got? You know, <laughs> was Tori making the uh, the young men in the the audience as wooden as uh, Kidman's promo delivery here? <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely working on. There's this dude in the front row who looks like Mark McGrath, the guy, right. um, or the guy from Sharknado too. I don't know if he's ever done anything else, but every morning I feel like I see Mark McGrath, but he was in the front row wearing like a, a V neck uh, sweater where the sleeves cover most of your fingers. And he had blonde tips. It was right. him. It had to have been, uh, we don't have a most 2000 award, but I just created it and I'm giving it to him. It's an you open know, Johnny, challenge. I, I don't think oh, it could ahead. have been him because given his level of celebrity in this time, they would have probably given him like a secondary title. That would be like, hey, come on. We got an angle for you, Mark. <laughs> come on. You're not even Mark, we want to make you the, our cat. <laughs> we want to make you the cruiserweight champion. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. 
It's like calling that album uh, sold like eight million copies. You're good, Colin. We got some gold for you, pal. You know, do you think he would fly off the top rope? That was awful, but I'm sticking with it. We don't edit anything out. <laughs> right. Um, are we? So, Kidman, I wanted to ask you about this because Kidman issues an open challenge. You know, mm-hmm. um, he then says something. If the boys in the back are going to draw straws, which, you know, I've heard that before. But then second party says throw potatoes. Is there <laughs> something I'm not catching here? Like, is that a thing? Is that a reference to like, does he say this a lot and I just missed it or something? Uh, what's the yeah, throw potatoes a, thing? <laughs> isn't it that ludicrous song? He's like, throw potatoes. <laughs> not familiar. No, that's uh, not. Uh, uh, you, the, you know, you, you haven't seen the Fast and the Furious 17? No, that's not even funny. Was he saying, um, like, I, they're going to play hot potato or something to figure out who's going to face him? I don't know. I was baffled by the throw potatoes line. I, I mean, it's allegedly they may have played hot potato with Billy and Tori. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't there. And I'm I'm honestly making that whole thing up, so don't come sue me, Billy. But, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. You're already, regardless of whatever it is that you do, I don't care if you're like a brain surgeon or, you know, if you're the world's nicest person, Billy Kidman has one up on you before the game even starts. The end. Right. Because of what he's accomplished. Real American, or not real American, fucking American made kicks in. <laughs> and, the- and theme music theft is not a joke, kids, because it's not Hulk Hogan. It's fucking Horace Hogan, which I haven't seen yet. He, this is making his worldwide debut here. Do you love Horace Hogan? Does anyone love Horace uh, Hogan? Terry Bollea, dude. I, I mean, maybe. Know I don't know. Have we already? I think they already had the angle where he's like abusive to Horace at one point, right? He's like, uh, wow. I think that I think there's a whole thing in '99 where he's like, uh, something like Horace isn't good enough, and he's like hitting him with the belt and stuff. Yeah, there's a whole angle about that that's real Wasn't uncomfortable. That- like like when Austin beat up Taz? Is that what we're talking about here? Like is that similar in, in thing? Yeah, it's like something like that. Yeah, where he's like, You gotta you gotta um stick up for the family, like you're the future of this or something, and like he's all a con- like brow beating Horace constantly. It's real weird. Well, Tony ponders that Horace is out here to defend the Hogan family. He doesn't have to defend the Hogan family to me. I love that fucking show. I have Was, no idea why, but did like, the music give it away, Tony? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, you think so? Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, Bischoff is here. Uh, Horace does powerbomb Kidman twice, which I think is against all the laws of physics. But he doesn't. I was blown away. Bobby, this may be like the greatest Horace performance ever. This is like Horace's wow. like most amazing. I'm serious. Um, like he was fired up. He had some fire. No, old Horace. for sure. In my notes verbatim, I wrote, no joke, comma, Three stars. Spoiler, I gave it three stars. And then in parentheses, safe to say this is the best match of Horace's life, right? I mean, right. it's got to be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I really, I'm serious. Like, it was that bad. And, like, no, Kidman's it good. Wasn't. Like, he comes in defending the Hogan honor, and he, um, you know, he took, he took old Kidman to the woodshed. He does. And, you know, this is – so they spent a lot of, of time getting Kidman propped back up on Nitro. One thing I didn't like about this, and just to get into sort of the, the finale of it all, uh, Bischoff hits him with a chair after karate kicking like Mickey Jay in the face, which was also hilarious. 
And then Kevin gives Horace like the stratisfaction, but through a table on the outside, just pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, no, and I Bischoff, dug it. I dug it. Yeah, he makes it a, a, a on the sly false count anywhere match. Counts a one, two, three. But he does help Bischoff. Bischoff does help him, which is what I was getting to. Like he should be able to take Horace Hogan on his own, but you know, Tori plans to kiss a death on him, and we go, I'm a three. Yeah, I'm somewhere. I think I went went two and a half on it. It, it was good. Yeah. I mean, got to be the greatest night of Horace's life, the best match of his career. He gets a kiss from Tori. I mean, you're not topping oh, that, Horace. No doubt. Uh, I'm not a you know I, I I'm no historian of Horace Hogan matches. If anyone knows of anything better, uh, you know, let me know because uh, I can't imagine we're gonna get anything. Abbott's heading to the ring. Um, so Tank Abbott has been doing this thing where he's been beating up random people. Um, Right. I don't know how you feel about Tank Abbott, but to me, it looks like he's always afraid of falling down the ramp when he's walking to the ring. He takes very little steps. Yeah, he's he's, he's just a straight like he just looks completely out of place in the absurd world of WCW here. Like he looks too serious and like, I don't know, legitimate. Like it's like you have the cat and, and Bam Bam Bigelow and then like Tank Abbott and his like shorts that he looks like he bought from Kmart and like that he never washes and he looks like he's from um he reminded me of it do you remember that uh HBO it's like a documentary about it's like all the early HBO documentaries about like the skinheads that's what he reminded um, me of. <laughs> it was like so, like HBO's like um you know skinheads like and it was all about like white supremacist neo-nazis that's what take Abbott look like to me so well, wow, so you're—he's on the record. Uh, that allegedly, the Harris twins and Tank Abbott are very good friends. <laughs> they look like they would be. They, um, you know, they look like they hang out in the same, you know, bars. But he does say Ghostberg again, and I popped hard. Um, wow. <laughs> he's been called Goldberg Ghostberg, and it just—it tickles me every single time. It's the dumbest, worst thing ever, <laughs> and it's the greatest thing at the same time. Uh, but it's time to choose. It's time to choose who's going to get the beat down this week. Uh, did you think it would be Johnny B. Bad? <laughs> I did not. Um, <laughs> though they are hyping up he, Johnny B. Bad, uh, Mark slash Mark Merrill's boxing cred. Yeah. And th- there's some guy with him. And I feel like JR Ronaldo, was probably having Ronaldo. a field day. <laughs> Ronaldo, I believe, was his the, name. Wow, uh, a footballer, if I'm not mistaken. Or Rinaldi, um, maybe. Maybe it's Rinaldi. <laughs> but Rinaldi was a footballer, right? Like I'm not my. Yeah, Rinaldo. I do have a little bit sure. of. It was okay. not Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> Allegedly. Mark yeah, because he's like but, confronting Mark Marrow, and then Rinaldi all of a sudden is like, "No, I'll take him." <laughs> well, <laughs> Ronaldo didn't didn't come to fight. Marrow didn't come to fight. Abbott didn't come to fight because all they do is stand like. Right. A couple feet apart from each other, doing that like I'm gonna box like hand movement, and then the security comes in and breaks it up. And and folks, I think that we're a wrap on Mark Marrow at WCW. I don't know that he ever comes back. What a weird <laughs> like. You know what? It's because he. I bet he probably lived around here, right? He's from New York. Like he's from like New York State, right? I want to say. Because isn't that I, thought, I always feel? I feel like that's where he got the Golden Glove, like New York. Yes. I feel like I've heard them say that before. I, I can he hear Jr. saying, "Right, yeah." 
Well, I'm trying to think if because um, I don't, random rewind our first episode, the reboot episode, when they cut to Sting in Hollywood at the Ready to Rumble premiere, Sable was at the Ready to Rumble to Rumble premiere. So this was that weird time frame where Sable was no. Yeah. Was it when she was trying to? Yeah, and that was like a know. bunch of lawsuits, like she was suing WWF. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm with That's it, a yeah. much quicker, that's a much cleaner way to describe it. Um, they cut to Sting in the back, and before we talk about Sting, in the arena, you can fucking hear on the soundtrack, they play Johnny B. Bad's theme song as that segment ends. Oh, they were trying to get that hometown pop for Johnny B. Bad. That big They're uh, just upstate like, New York I, pop. I couldn't believe it. He looked just like little Richard. T- yeah, Tony, um, Tony hit him with like the uh, the Mean Girls line. He's like, Meryl doesn't even work here. <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> he doesn't even work here. That is fantastic. I love it. And he, and he won't and he won't in the future either. Just this one night. Yeah, like, Tony, this is it. That, was, that was a shoot from Tony. He doesn't work here. No, really, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sting, like I said, is here and he's dirty as fuck. He has not cleaned himself since he got the mysterious red liquid dumped on his old uh old uh you know hair and face there. Um that's gross. I'm just gonna say that right yeah. now. I mean Pretty insanitary. I mean now I don't wanna I'm not trying to offend any one of those any of those people who are like non-showerers. Um, you know, I too sometimes have trouble and I'm a reformed never nude. So if you can't shower, then, you know, I understand where you're coming from. Not me. That is. Like a wash, it, wash yourself, people. <laughs> especially, if you're, especially if you're covered in a mysterious red liquid like thing. I think if you say allegedly at the end, you can say whatever you want. So I say go for it. Allegedly. Uh, a, a quick war, a quick warp over to pipe world. Uh, which is not something I planned to say, but I said it anyway. And Arquette has found, or DDP has found Arquette. Just like that, like, resolved. Like, I don't know, like, why Jarrett's still not there. It's obvious Bischoff went to help Kidman, and this kind of makes sense. But I, uh, the situation has corrected itself. I don't know. Right. Well, we're all set for the, the big... I'm glad. Now, the one thing I noticed about Arquette throughout this is... Um, I guess they're trying to make him look like he's beginning, you know, roughed up. But like the makeup is, <laughs> is so ridiculous. Like the Dude, red marks yes. on his cheeks look so fake. It's just like they smeared some like uh, some rouge on his face or something. It, it the, looks it's like the it, most fake looking. Like. Looks like he just came from a Christmas party with like his elderly grandma and auntie who are like, "Oh, Davey, you're so cute." They like pinch his cheeks. Yeah. You know, maybe give him a little schmooch. Yeah. Yeah. He, it, it didn't look quite as rough as later in his wrestling career when he would be like, you know, do a death matches of barbed wire. Oh, that's these were a scary. little bit less. Yeah, that's a little bit less realistic here. The uh, the bumps he was taking. That was a pretty good performance. I will I will say this. I will say this. The Arquette shit was at least effective in establishing that DDP was desperate. Oh, probably should have mentioned. <laughs> DDP, when they take Canyon off the board, DDP does come out and say that he's tired of this shit and he will give them their tag team match, by the way. Maybe that's why they left him alone. <laughs> right. I guess that would make sense. Taking it's time his for two the... Best, his two best pals, David Arquette and Canyon. Dude, that's right. He's an island unto himself. He's like um, Switzerland. Right. Except I don't, I don't know that he's ever been to a bank. 
And that's what they have in Switzerland, famously. And now we'll talk uh, about a wall onto himself. Yes, he is truly a sight to behold. That's the wall, brother. It's the uh, previously announced Sting versus the wall in a tables match uh, where Sting is victorious against the wall. Did you time this match? Um, my estimate was 17 seconds, give or take. Uh, Tony says that Sting looks like he's coming from the set of Carrie. And I like that <laughs> reference and I'm going to allow it. I think it's fantastic. They do. They have a really cool like ceiling camera angle of like the top. It's kind of like the ladder cam they have in WWE of the tables surrounding the ring to set the stage right. for the match. But that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. There were punches and kicks. Eventually, the walls yeah. on the, uh, the, uh, the the apron. Sting flips over him. Clearly slips. Falls on his ass. Gets back up. Redoes the spot. Puts him through the table with a powerbomb. I gave this match five stars. And I'm not even <laughs> kidding. This was amazing. This is one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen in my entire life. And I am here for it. Yeah, I would maybe not go five, but I did think Sting, he looked, you know, I like angry, covered in red liquid Sting. It wasn't bad. Uh, I was very caught up in his his um, his video thing when he comes out there. There's like uh, one of the key frames in Sting's video, like Titantron or whatever package, is him <laughs> fighting the Vianos and like them hitting him and him <laughs> no-selling, which is incredible. Like the idea that the Vianos like a key aspect of, of uh, Sting's <laughs> You know, video this, when he this, comes out this, is kind of incredible. Well, you know, the, you know, you show the greatest hits. It's got to be, you know, Bash 90, Starcade 97, right. and Vianos on Thunder. There's yeah, also like the that Vianos, really... like, hit him in the chest, and he's like, no, I'm not taking it. And speaking of Sting, video wall, and chest, what the fuck is with that still photo of him with the, his chest exposed and his coat on and his face paint on, just looking at the screen? It, that's the weirdest looking picture I've ever fucking seen. Right. But yeah, I, um, I, I'll give it, I'll, I'll give it a, a, a gentlemanly two. How about that? I did enjoy Sting. I thought he looked impressive. Like I thought the You're, wall was going to put up a bit more of a fight here. But but he, it was it was less than two minutes. He's covered in blood. He fucking right. the the red liquid legitimately makes Sting slip and fall as he tries to. <laughs> Sunset flip power bomb the wall. All right, you got me the story. I'll go. I'll go to. Okay. Because <laughs> it's not just like a little slip. There's an audible thud. <laughs> I had to pause the show. I was I was losing my shit. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's my first five star match. Um. And it earned every single bit of it. All right. Uh, and and it, you, you would think at that point it couldn't get any better, but the fucking burial of Vampiro continues because he straight up comes out to attack Sting after the match and he just beats the shit out of him. The end. Unless, you know, there's something more that you caught maybe, but to me it looked like a burial. I don't know. What'd you think? No, no, I just got, got beat up by Sting. That's what I had in my notes. That's pretty cut and dry. He didn't put up much of a fight. Sting was... Uh, nobody was fucking with Sting on this night. He was He was fired up. Those no, I do. Th- <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I do think that's the point. I do think the script is trying to tell us or that the Sting character has been 
even though they thought it would be a, a victory in a mental game of chess, as Larry Zabisco would say, they've actually made Sting a little crazy and uh, his unhinged and unpredictable and anything could happen. So, right. you know, kudos to them, I guess. Totally franchise and the Batman are heading our way. So I'm hard. <laughs> we come <laughs> and they, they go to commercial. We come back from commercial and the, the zombie sting is leaving the arena through a clearly marked emergency exit, which I have to imagine caused a massive amount of panic in this arena. What the hell? He just thinks he could do whatever he wants. Shouldn't an alarm go off or something? Or we at least, you know, take a five minute break to do a head count? Is everybody here? Right. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Just another sign that WCW is losing control here. Sting going to the emergency exit. <laughs> There's a sign <laughs> in the crowd that says, Move over, bro. Bruce Wayne. Vince Russo is the new Batman. It wasn't me, but it could have been. That sounds like something that I would put on a sign. I'm in heaven here. Well, but this is where he this is where he gets the place wrong. And I don't know if this was intentional or not, if this was kind of part of the roast. But this is where he he gets on. He says Rochester is not New York, but uh, they're in Syracuse. So I don't know wow. if that was just like a, a a very meta insult, or if he just didn't realize where in upstate New York they were. See, this is where again, much like the pipe fetish I described earlier, it would be nice to have Ryan's knowledge uh, about. Uh, you know, the fucking map of New York. I don't know, like the geography. Well, Jesus, thank you. Well, I actually, you know, knowing I was going to have to film for Ryan, I went on, like you said, a side quest and Google mapped because I knew like Wait, you, both. You didn't, you yeah. didn't Bing map it? <laughs> you didn't Bing <laughs> no. map it? No. The, the okay. Bing map was uh, in different kind of different things in Rochester when I was looking for. Uh, Fair enough. But, because I knew, like, similar to you, I was like, okay, I know they're in a similar area. Like, I know they're both upstate New York. But I looked, and they appear to be a good, like, 150, like a decent, like, they are not like Twin Cities, and like the Twin Cities or something in Minnesota. Like, they are distinctly their own places, like, close by, but not close enough to where they are, like, the same city. So, I don't know. Maybe he was doing this on purpose, like, that maybe this was like a meta, I mean, I don't know if it was, I think he probably just didn't know where they were, but it could have been like a meta joke of like, yeah, I get all these upstate places mixed up because they're not the real New York, <laughs> you know? I When you were talking about like twin and sister cities, it reminded me that even though I love the seminal classic Dawn of Justice, I did not like when they chose that Metropolis and Gotham City would be like sister cities across the bay. If Gotham City was real, where would you put it? Because I once read like an official DC Universe handbook that said specifically where it was, but I'm just curious. I don't know if you're a massive fan of that type of shit, but where is Gotham? What do you think? I mean, I don't know if this is a dollar. Like, I always just assumed it was like New York. I don't know. Is it not? No. I don't know. I mean, maybe like, well, right. I, I think it probably was. But then they actually like brought New York City into the DC universe. Oh, gotcha. so it's yeah. So it's like the Teen Titans are in New York City, Batman's in Gotham, mm-hmm. Superman's in Metropolis, yada yada. So, which I think was a mistake. They should have stayed with the fake city route to make it, you know, a little more interesting. But according to this book that I read, it's in Delaware, like a very uh, northern part of Delaware, which I guess would be close to Jersey. Uh, like is. on the water. 
and I, I kind of I, I I didn't know they had metropolis. What's multiple metropoli in uh, Delaware? Yes. <laughs> but here's the thing: I kind of dig that. I kind of dig that it's this one little corner of this random place in this country that's just infested with this darkness. Um, right. You know, from an entertainment standpoint, if it was real, goodness no, I'm not down with that. But I like entertainment, so I don't know. I always, I'm you know, nobody came for this. But in, until someone can come on this podcast and talk to you about Inception, we're going to talk about random shit in between these wrestling segments. Gotcha. <sighs> anyway, so they this segment is basically to be a, a verbal joust between Team Package and Totally Franchise. And they keep calling it Slamborees or Western Union Slamboree. Did you get a Western Union count? Uh, I did not, but I'm sure it was up there as all like a – late 90s early 2000s wrestling shows are just i mean it was the boom for collect calls i guess in this era it, well at one point tony calls it slamboree by western union instead of western union slamboree and i got this theory that that might be like this alternate multiverse reality somewhere out there since multiverse is just so big right now maybe if we say it on our podcast right. it'll get more views and in this version, the people that are trying to get money perform as the characters. So, like, there's this this poor guy who needs money to get a bus ticket or something. He has to pretend to be Sting and fight Vampiro, who's like a lady who's trying to get money. It's just craziness. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Russo gonna... brings out. <laughs> Go ahead. No, 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 you're good. Like, you know, that sounds – it might be in, uh, a, a coming next season to uh, Canada, a play by Aaron George, Slamboree by Western Union. You know, you could get all these people to perform Slamboree 2000 on stage. It <laughs> would be fucking awesome. Someone should do that. Anyway, uh, Russo brings out the security when Team Package comes out. Ric Flair cuts a batshit promo. Okay? did if This was like – Level eight flare, maybe? Yeah, I dug did, it. Did, did, yes, good. I'm so glad. Yeah. I don't I don't dig that when they come out, <laughs> fucking Mike Tanay goes, there's a millionaire's club. We know, Mike. <laughs> right. Flair yeah. puts over Hogan on Bo- uh, puts over Hogan on commentary, and Bobby the Heenan legit goes, wow, and sounds like disappointed that Flair like put Hogan over because, I don't know. Did you catch that? I didn't hear that part, but that is really funny. I, I was I was too caught up in flair with his um, – we get a Carrie Von Eric reference. He, he mentioned well, Blue no. Con, which is – No, he he calls him Carrie Von – Carrie Von Eric. He <laughs> right. fucking botches his name and corrects himself. But then when he says Carrie Von Eric's name, did you see what Shane Douglas said? No, I didn't, no, I didn't catch it. He goes, he's dead. Oh, my God. Shane Douglas is such a dick. He is. It's really mean. But at one point, Flair like rips open his shirt and he like does impressions of like Luger and Sting, right. like flexing and going ah. It, he's off the charts here. It was awesome. Yeah. He says, and I quote, "I pissed away more money on bar tabs than the three of you will ever make." Tony says, "That's a shoot," and Bobby says, yeah. uh, I, "I was there." Yeah. Fucking awesome. Now that is the. No, I don't want to, you know, slaughter the sacred cow here, but that is one thing that irks. It is maybe the most bothersome thing when I watch these. I cannot stand all the like 
like shoehorned in insider language stuff. It like it almost like okay to your point of like how fun and absurd this could be. It like takes me out of the fun ridiculousness of this universe when they like do like chicken shit heel and you know uh, like it's like you're a mark and all this. I just can't. I don't know. I'm not a fan of it. It takes me out of well, it. it. Takes me out of it, Johnny. Expl- I'm, 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 I understand. Explain the chicken shit heel line because I, 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 the audience has got to be getting tired of my voice because I am. What, what, well, this what is, does um, Russo say? He says that, um, you know, he's like, I get what we're doing here. I have to be the chicken shit heel because he has all the security and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And at that point, I was just like, please, God, no, don't, don't, let's not do this. Like, we don't have to be this, like, trying to be meta or whatever. It's like, it's because it's a real fun promo. I really enjoyed all this. I liked Flair putting over all the old guys and then Russo coming back at him. And then we quickly get into this whole thing. Like all of a sudden Russo's like, I own Liz, like out of nowhere. And Luger's <laughs> Luger's and Luger's aspect of this was just like like Flair goes to this amazing, like insane rant, ripping his shirt, and then Luger just gets on the mic and starts like muttering somewhat incoherently yeah. for like he two makes, minutes. He makes yeah, he makes fun of Buff. He's like, I remember we first started this for this buff. You were always yeah. asking, hey, can I get a rollaway bed and stay in your hotel yeah. room? Which, <laughs> like, he was trying to do what Flair was doing, but really failing. Yeah. But Russo retorts, I'm glad to see you survived the car wreck known as the Lex Express, which I popped for. Right. That wasn't a bad one. But see, I don't mind that. I don't mind when he's doing all that, but it's when he starts saying the chicken shit heel and, um, right. you know, say, oh, you're a mark for yourself. It's. Uh, But otherwise, fun, real fun. Yeah, he says he owns Liz because WCW owns her contract, but he plays it up as, you know, the crazy chauvinist. And he's like, I own Liz. A fight breaks out. The camera's kind of everywhere. And then legitimately, the camera cuts to Russo running with Liz in his arms. And this is not a mock towards Liz. Like, he can barely hold her. It's the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. He's He basically drops her running up the ramp. The camera cuts away. Eventually, it's back to him, and security takes Liz, like, to the back. And Russo starts doing a, like, Lex Luger rack pose. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Yeah, it's just some good absurdity. I enjoyed this. This was one of my favorite things on this whole show. I'm glad to hear it. We we don't Flair, usually Flair like give... with the 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 Budokan, the Budokan thing was great. <laughs> oh, for sure. And yes, yes, that was cool. It was you know it was he was they were just on again. Performers that are just talented bringing it on an episode of Thunder. I'm telling you, Thunder is is where it's at. Um, we don't rake segments, but because I have more things to say about the show overall later on, I, I just want to. This is this was a really entertaining segment. This. This deserves to be spoken of, and I'm glad that we did. <laughs> Russo uh, during the during the break, they they, they show us that Russo and Liz uh, drove away together, so they've left the arena. And, and again, it's 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 rapid fire Russo shit. I'm sorry, guys. There's another segment in the back. DDP and David Arquette are with the trainer, and Arquette's kind of refusing to, refusing to get medical attention. And it's at this moment that DDP like. Goes and he puts his arm around Arquette and he goes, "Listen, monkey, like, come on, <laughs> let the doctor look at you." And I'm like, "So, monkey is a term of endearment now." <laughs> Anyone who follows our show knows that we love to chart every time DDP says "monkey," and this was the weirdest one yet. <laughs> yeah, 
Very, if you uh, have... <laughs> very older yeah. cousin or like a older cousin kind of or like like a, the nephew but the uncle is like the younger brother of the dad so like the nephew and the uncle are closer <laughs> in age very much that dynamic <laughs> like the the uncle that's younger than the nephew it's like yeah. and don't be yeah. a menace to south central when he's the dad is younger than sean wayne's character <laughs> right yeah uh, that's always that's always been a funny ass gag to me oh love it so yeah um dp i guess is concerned for our cat that's that's the whole point he's hoping that he didn't get injured when he was visiting pipe world the next match is paisley defeating tammy via what i'm calling a ddp a A ddt in quotation marks with a question mark after it because i don't know if you can legally call it a ddt my first note is that tammy has grandma stripper music is it the unsexiest Uh, song you've ever heard it was uh you know not the most endearing candido his uh now she does this whole deal with uh where she's in the robe and teasing the crowd like, uh, you know, you know, you want to see what's under this robe. And we get the appearance of horny Mike today here. Show us, Tammy. Show us. <laughs> <laughs> was, yes. Today I like is to think so today horny. As a, as, I like to think of today as a, a non-sexual being. So when he kind of breaks that, it's kind of strange. But uh, so yeah, the, I feel like yeah. Candido's trunks are smaller than hers. Like he was busted out more than Tammy. Now, I'm not going to say that this is a scripted promo, but hear me out on this. If it was a scripted promo, it would say Tammy, and then her line is, right now, boys, I'm going to give it to you. But she she made a choice, and she said, right now, boys, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah, you know. Tammy is in no condition to work here, allegedly. I mean, she's mm. – I have no words for how unsa- – I feel – look, Okay. I feel I, she's in ridiculously unsexy here to me as a heterosexual male. Like I'm, I'm embarrassed for her. Like I feel bad for her and she disrobes and she is wearing the craziest like purple sports bra top thing that I've ever seen. She looks inhuman. I'm sorry. Well, it just looks like it doesn't look like wardrobe from like, I mean, this is, you know, they're in tough times, but this is still on like Turner and backed by Turner, like a backed by a billion dollar corporation, like a TV show. Like this looks like uh, what she was wearing did not look like it was furnished by like a multi-million dollar wrestling company. I'll put it that way. No, it was. It looked it was, like she just found was, some stuff. Yeah. Guys, it was the gross kind of jiggly. I, now, hey, look, I am not trying to shame. OK, but this is like this character, like. They hired this actress to perform this character who's supposed to be like the desire of all. Okay. And it's not working. That's my objective way of critiquing this because I don't want to be a prick and I'm not trying to be, but it, it's not, right. cool. it's not working for me. What, yeah, you know, what it's sad. It's yeah. sad. Yeah. Paisley on the other hand right. is very, very nice. I'm sure she's not a great wrestler. Um, you know, but she's she's here. But the princess, with, the princess athletic. With her. I'll give I'll give her that. She's no, athletic. you're right. She is. She is. And I'm 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 kind of rambling out of school because I don't really have anything bad to say about Paisley per se. Like not nearly like I do Tammy. And again, it's not. It's more of concern. I'm not trying to you know 
be mean. It's just, it's not working. Okay. Right. Um, this match. This... Mm-hmm. No, I, I'd actually, I, I know my take. I live my life knowing how I feel about this match 24 seven. Give, give me something. What do you got? Um, well, this was my brain line. This was one of my, like, to me, this is like a vintage brain line where he says, um, cause you know, they're going into the, the trophy, like, this is going to be a cat fight. And brain says that they, they need to, he's like, yeah, they got to get out there and scratch your claws, scratch like they do at the outlet malls, which is <laughs> a great line. Later. He also says, well, I just love it when the fur flies. Yeah. Um, uh, it was real, like, uh, I enjoyed the absurdity. If I'm going with your, you know, entertainment factor, like, like the point where I just thought it started getting real ridiculous was all of a sudden Tammy just like, she goes up to the top rope, which that made me real nervous. And it, it, it was a little touch and go for a second. She looked a little, a little, uh, she was teetering. And then instead of going in the ring, she just <laughs> randomly dives to the outside on everybody. And I guess her strategy was to like take out the ref. But it was just kind of out of nowhere. She just does like a cross body to the outside. Well, this is so random. this is this is the second time we've seen a Tammy Plancha this week. <laughs> but this time she gave us a little something extra by clearly yelling, "Here I come!" Right before she jumped, <laughs> just to make sure. And it wasn't "Here I come, boys." It was a legitimate "Here I come!" Like fucking catch me. It was awesome. And then the other spot, I know this is not to get in the weeds with the wrestling, but um, Paisley goes for a handspring. And, like, she executes, like, the flip part of it super well. But you could tell she's not super confident because she's going to go to, like, she's going full speed on the flips and just goes into slow motion when she actually connects with the elbow at the end. Like, a full speed flip and then just goes, like, slows down and hits the elbow. You know, it's crazy because this is only one year after Bullet Time was invented by the Matrix, but they were already using it in, in tape right. WCW programming because she straight up went into Bullet Time with that last part. I have right. the same note. A Tammy delivers like a one-armed stunner, and it's really <laughs> cool. But right before she does it, you know, if I'm going to hit my finish, I taunt someone. She just kind of whispers loudly, now. And I'm wondering what kind of a taunt that is. Or, or was she calling the spot? <laughs> I don't really know. Yeah. Paisley also hits a badass Johnny Cage splits ball punch to Candido. And Candido's already doing three Stooges shit, but that's fine. Um, eventually, Tammy gets like mounted punches on Paisley and she's missing her by a mile. And then Paisley eventually hits that quote unquote DDT. Um, it's history. It's history because for the first time ever on the show, on one card, we have two five star matches. And this is a much stronger five stars than that first match, folks. Right. I'm begging you, if you decide to relive this program, watch this segment. What do you think? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with the win in Rome, and I'll, I'll go with the five with you on this one for the absurdity. Oh. Because between the, yes. the, between the brain uh, with the, about the outlet malls, um, <laughs> horny today with the show, show us Tammy, <laughs> and uh, the, the, the cross body with the here I come and the handspring. I mean, that I, I think I, 
on the absurdity scale and the the ridiculousness, this one was up there. <laughs> like it was up there on this night. It like it was reaching that like uh, it was getting for me like my my absurdity always goes back to like TNA, and this is getting into like TNA absurdity, which <laughs> yes. you know. Now this this would have been two stars in TNA. Let's make that clear. But this is five yeah. stars under, under, under the absurdity. under the bright bright lights of uh, thunder. Oh, I feel so. I have never felt more vindicated in my life. Like some people say, it's like when they have you know become a father or a mother for the first time, which was that for me until this moment when I when I when I heard someone else give this match five stars. That's it for me. I can retire a happy man. We cut to Mean Gene in the back with Booker T. Look, Booker T and Awesome are fighting tonight. That's what this segment's about. But in an angle that I'm sure will go nowhere, fucking Tylene Buck shows up and tells Mean Gene she wants to be his interview apprentice. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, uh, she's like holding on <laughs> the entire time he's interviewing Booker. Like he has his hand on the mic, and then she has her hand like softly caressing his the whole time he's holding the mic. <laughs> it's very awkward, and Booker was kind of awkward too. I. I didn't write down what he said because at this point in the show, I was like euphoric from that five star Tokyo Dome classic. And I just it was weird, though. He's like yeah. kind of like shaming her. Like, I don't know. It was just it was kind of strange. I don't know. Yeah, but like it's he also had, he had like he had like no time for it. He's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Right. I almost would have preferred it if she would have like waited off camera and then came up to, you know, Mean Gene and like said that he heard that his. His very famous rich un- great uncle just died, and she's very sorry for his loss. And he would be like, "Oh, thank you." And they set up this thing where she's like trying to get his inheritance money or something. I don't know that could work. Right. DDP and Monkey are in the back, and and Marquette's like, "My ribs, my ribs." But I'm just thinking, McRib, McRib, because the McRib's been gone for a couple weeks now, and I'm distraught. I don't think I've ever eaten a McRib, honestly. Nah, I'm it seems- better off. Yeah, it just the sauce throws me off. It just looks like it's sopping in like thick barbecue sauce, which I like barbecue yeah. sauce, but it doesn't look like the best barbecue sauce. Yeah, That's how it's quality on the McRib. <laughs> so I am, I I have had I I don't mind the McRib. Um, look, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a, a junk food junkie sometimes, uh, uh, but at the same time, it's um. I don't know. I'd give it about. I wouldn't go full five on the McRib. I'd give it like a three and a half. Fair enough. Um, DDP is like trying to console him though, and Arquette with some legit acting goes back off, Paige. That's my David yeah, Arquette. But that, like, uh, yeah, that David Arquette like angry voice. He doesn't write a rumble quite like. Stop making. No, I almost said the Water Boy. It's basically the Water Boy though. When the Water Boy gets mad. It's the, yeah, uh, the, oh, the wait, wrestling's what, what not fake. Yes, that's what I was going for. I almost said stop making fun of me, and that's the water boy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's essentially the same. Now, is the water boy for you, like, kind of, like, some people get sentimental about, um, you know, like, there's that, there are movies about things that happen in in certain areas. Is that you with the water boy? Like, you know, if there's a movie about, like, New York City overcoming adversity in October of 2001, you know, that's like an uplifting movie for New Yorkers. Is, is, is that what the water boy is for yeah. you? Right. Right. Um, the water boy is, uh, you know, similar to, uh, <laughs> trying to think of an inspiration. It's like the original Rocky for me, basically. Okay. <laughs> yes. Like that's a good from one. Philadelphia. Yeah. 
It's uh, uh, similar for me. Sure, it's kind of like Zoolander is for me. Like that's an inspirational film right. about, you know, as a former male model, you know, it, it's it does right. for me. It's it's my Rudy basically. You know, some people have Rudy because they they always wanted to get that one moment in their lives. You know, that's what Zoolander is for me. Um, the next match is is Mike Awesome defeating. Booker T with it, a fucking awesome running awesome bomb. But more importantly, another guest commentator. We've got the sirens. Big Papa Pump is here to deliver some guest commentary. He also calls Booker T white trash. I'm not going to make any jokes about that, but it happened. And then I am laughing pretty hard. I'm glad you caught it because I felt like I couldn't understand about 60% of what he was saying on commentary here. It was kind of like it. It was very similar to the the perfect commentary that we we got earlier. Like it was fine, but he wasn't really like, I don't know. He didn't go. He was roasting Hogan mostly. Like he didn't. He he gives a he monologue any, on spot. Uh, yeah, the spot, spot, spot. Yeah, I did have that. Yeah, spot, 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 and go to spot. Yeah. yeah, it's really really weird. Um, I guess to say about the match at one point. Booker hit a really stiff flying forearm, and Awesome gets glass-eyed on the floor. I don't know if you caught that or not. It kind of stood out to me. Um, you know, this is because the last time we did a podcast together, Booker T accidentally stepped on Kane's top top and, and <laughs> you know, and injured Kane. I just, you know, Booker T, again, legitimately accidentally hitting someone kind of stood out to me. Maybe I just have an eye for Booker T's accidental fuck-ups. Right. I'm not saying he's a bad wrestler, but also was kind of like, shit, that hurt. Yeah, you're like Tammy Sitch, you know, five star. <laughs> you're like, oh, Booker T, that guy's dangerous. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing. Tammy Sitch, a five star athlete king. But Booker T, he's, he's dangerous. He's got his demons. This was a legit, like, good match. Like, I, no, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. I, I, it, was, it was great. Well, I gave it three stars um, for yeah. the fucking finish alone. That was a sick power bomb. Uh, the running variant uh, is my favorite awesome bomb variant. Mm-hmm. Now, at this moment in the podcast, I have to pause and admit that when I, I took my notes, I didn't know we were going to be doing this show together. Okay. Right. Because my uh-huh. my first note on the post match is my buddy Jake from the Ruthless Aggressive Podcast is here because. Booker T is getting like triple T beat up by Steiner and Awesome, and fucking the MIA are here making their uh-huh. origin appearance. Uh, they haven't been named the MIA yet, but this is it, man. Are you a big wow. Lash LaRue fan? I, uh, I, you know, I do like Lash LaRue. He doesn't do a whole lot in his run, but <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I will tell you his, um, if he's supposed to have like a Cajun or Louisiana accent, it is <laughs> like, it sounds nothing like any Cajun accent I've heard of before. I think he's actually now, like, I want to, I, I think he's from Alabama, you know, to break, the, oh, okay. to, break to break kayfabe, which, you know, is obviously very offensive to me that he would play this character being from Alabama. Well, if you ever get offended by Lash LaRue's character or by Farmer Fran from The Waterboy, I would be more than happy to join you in a class action lawsuit against Turner Home Entertainment and whatever film company made The Waterboy. So keep in touch on that one, all right? I'm here for you. No, I enjoy I enjoy The Misfits. Uh, well, this is the original, uh, you know, rare 
long sought after collector's edition of the MIA because it's the version with Van Hammer. Um, <laughs> right. I, I just, I'm a, ironically enough, I'm a kind of a mark for the Bill Watts WCW, like take away the match Battle Bowl 92 era because I was watching WCW pay-per-views at that time. Now, I'm not a mark for like Bill Watts. I want to mark that, walk that back <laughs> just a second, okay, to give it some clarity. But like Van Hammer, because he like was getting ridiculously pushed in that era, along with like Eric Watts, specifically in Battle Bowl '92. That's my Gary Michael Capetta. Um, it's a good uh, <laughs> GM, GMC. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Wrestling fans, Van Hammers. I like Van Hammer, um, but I don't like this Van Hammer, and I forget what his stupid army name is. But uh, Tony Schiavone makes fun of their all their wardrobes, so that's just gotta tell you something. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's not wrong. No, he's not. Uh, next up, we have a the promised sit down interview with Brett oh, the Hitman gosh. Hart and Scott Hudson. Now. Again, I am so tired of the sound of my own voice, um, but I do have a lot to bring. I, I, there's a lot I want to talk about in this segment. So I, well, what so did Brett, you? So. <laughs> oh God, you're not kidding. What What do you? What's your overall vibe of this segment? You know, I really, you know, after listening to this, I have a hunch that maybe Brett is a little upset with Hulk Hogan and feels that he may be avoiding him. I'm not sure where I got that from. <laughs> it could have been the numerous ways that Brett said this, how he said Hogan's afraid of him. Um, Scott Hudson's like, uh, why Hogan? And uh, is this just mind games? Like uh, Scott Hudson's always so serious. Like, he's, Well, there, there were so many awkward edits in this too, because yeah. there, it was a, there were, it was a two camera. It was a, it was, a, it was set up like a two camera shop, and I'm pretty sure they right. only had one camera. Um, but so I, I, I wrote down a lot of the verbatim stuff, and I did that not to take everyone's time, but because what stood out to me about this is that Scott Hudson asked a question. And to me, these questions fall into one of two categories Is he asking Bret Hart the person or Bret Hart the character this question? Right. Okay. So the, the first question is, why did he hit Hogan? Now, to me, that's a character question because Bret Hart right. didn't fucking hit Terry Bollea with a chair like out of anger. Like the character, the script called for that. But Bret Hart gives a human being answer. He says mm -hmm. that he wanted to be the best and Hogan stopped Bret from beating him. OK, he stopped him from beating him, which is something that only Bret Hart, the person would know, because in a an athletic contest where you have no idea who's going to win. You can't know who's going to win, but Bret Hart knew that he was owed a victory over Bret over Hulk Hogan. Weird. Right. And, and this goes and on the, and on and on. Yeah, and like the uh, the passing the torch thing. No, don't you mean? Because he he goes back and forth between, like you said, like within the kayfabe world, but then also like this, you know, behind it, like the the one that sounds to me is the passing the torch thing, which is a weird thing to say if you're just talking about like. Well, Hogan needs to give me my shot. He's never wrestled me. He's afraid of me. But then he gets into the whole, like, because it goes, he circles around a lot of things. He goes to, like, you know, back in the early 90s of, of WWF, he was supposed to pass the torch to me. So then, like you said, then he's pivoting to, you know, behind the scenes, like, who's going to be the the top guy kind of deal. So it is real weird how they kind of 
you know, oscillate back and forth between those two things. Yeah, he specifically says, well, you, you should have passed the torch like Andre did, but he ran to the WCW. And I just love that he said the WCW. It really made oh, my nice. heart sing. It's I saw like him, um, they showed showed Brett getting ready to write his column, which was because I've always, <laughs> you know, you always hear about the uh, RC, like um, Brett's uh, column in the Calgary Sun. And you just see him in his home office, like, you know, <laughs> because like no matter what they talk about, no matter what Hudson asks him, it always comes back to Hogan. He's like, you know, I go to write my column. I start to gather my thoughts about whatever. And for whatever reason, it always ends up back at Hogan. <laughs> like he's writing yeah. the column about like, you know, like Canadian politics. He's like, you know, and I just... It's got to be Hogan. We know the Just keep thinking about the, Hogan. The premier of Ottawa has been been not handling things very good. Uh, you know, uh, and it makes me what? think of how bad Hulk Hogan's been handling the WCW. You know, right? They have the part where he's at, at the hockey game. He's at the hockey yeah. game. He's like, you know, I'm trying to try to enjoy a hockey. And they actually cut the footage of him at the hockey game. He's like, you know, I'm just enjoying the hockey game, trying to have a good time. And you know, people come up to me and ask me, why aren't you fighting Hogan? <laughs> It's almost like he's literally saying he goes to a hockey game and then someone will come up and interview him and ask him about WCW and it pisses him off because he's depressed. <laughs> and then the, he does the only say, other thing I had. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, well, I'm sure it's the same thing. He says his house is a prison. Yeah, like Hudson out of nowhere. Like, like he's like, uh, you know, Brad, you've been injured or whatever. It just seems like so kind of off base for Hudson. He's just like, I have to ask you this. Does the house feel like a prison? Like, what kind of question is that, Scott? <laughs> yeah. Well, the house is a prison to me, you know, but I'm going to make Hogan pay because my last, he goes, my last vision, mission in wrestling is to make Hulk Hogan submit in between my legs. And that's pretty much the end of the interview. You know, like, yeah, Hudson's been so, like, kind of, you know, understanding through this. And all of a sudden he's like, so is this like a prison to you now? Do you yeah. feel like you're going insane inside your own home? Like, kind of escalating <laughs> there, huh, Hudson? He's about 20 years too early on that one, but we'll all get there eventually with you, Brett. Uh, yeah, but but it's again and again. I we don't we don't rake segments, but this is another contributor to you know this is a variety show. Um, this is a big contributor to my final thoughts at the end because again I would say this is kind of you have to see it to believe it. You know, I mean it's not it's not hilarious, but it's it, it's super interesting because. I don't know yeah, that was, Bret Hart I was, I was knows difference. To be, yeah, like yeah. I was captivated by the – like to your point earlier, the, if you watch the Nitros from this era, I don't think you get as much of that kind of stuff on Nitro. Like no. Nitro's a lot more focused on the action and stuff, and Thunder, I feel like they – maybe because they're just trying to kill time, they're more likely to give you these kind of strange but interesting little – like segments like this, like this kind of weird random stuff you wouldn't see on Nitro. No, you've hit the nail right on the head. It's it's weirdly because it's taped a little bit slower. They still do a lot of cuts in the back. I mean, obviously we've kind of had to we've we've had to discuss a lot of backstage segments tonight, and there's a lot of like lead-ins and outros, you know, that are only like 20 second cutaways. But you know, when it's Kidman sliding down a rail, we got to stop and talk about it. But yes, Thunder is slower, but still just as ADD as Nitro is very interesting to me. And I'm, I think it's cool that you caught that. Um, yeah. We got one last one last intro for the last for the main event. It's, you know, DDP and Arquette walking to the ring and David Arquette agrees to stay in the back. And doesn't. <laughs> and I don't really get the point of the segment, but oh, well. 
Uh, is there anything you want to say about anything we might have missed before or, you know, because we, 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 everybody's still here because we haven't gotten to the most important moment of the evening. Right, right. Is there anything you would like to plug or talk about? Do you have any agendas you would like to, to put out there to the listeners uh, before we go into the main? Um, like, uh, like my podcast would be, if we're talking about my things or about WCW Thunder or. Well, um, it could be your podcast. You could give us a brief review of Spider-Man. Let us know what you want right. for Christmas, if that's your thing. Share a recipe. I mean, literally, well, the floor is yours, sir. Well, um, I'll say I do the Ruthless Aggressive podcast on this podcast network. Uh, Johnny, you were on it um, a while back. Um, I have a different guest every week, and we break down the uh, Ruthless Aggression era of WWE, closing very soon to close out the year uh, 2002. So make sure you check that out. Um, otherwise, uh, I can't think of any recipes off the top of my head. But uh, Well, I... I have a bone to pick with you about your podcast, specifically the episode, the episode after mine, when you and JT hypothesized that Limp Biscuit is indeed (laughs) the favored band of World Wrestling Entertainment. Whereas I think it's saliva because long term, I think saliva has contributed more to their lore and history. Right. To me, it kind of strikes me as a um, a, a similar uh, to plug another show here on the feed. Of uh, on the network, on No Holds Barred, uh, JT and Aaron always get into this discussion when they're trying to figure out the best performers of the month or, or what have you. Like, how mm-hmm. much do you weigh? How much do you weigh like one incredible match as opposed to like the consistency? Because I think in this case, Limp Biscuit would be like maybe less, less. Um, you know, the 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 quality or the the how big their appearances are, but saliva's got that consistency. Like maybe saliva's got like five, four star matches, even though Limp Bizkit's like got the two all timers. So I feel like it's no. a, a matter of what, how you're approaching this, you know, I think you're right. Saliva is like the modern era where it's like, sure. So-and-so put on a four star match. They put on a four star match every time they wrestle. We've all seen it, et cetera, et cetera. Versus like, Limp Bizkit's two big contributions at WrestleMania are like the Hogan Rock, Hogan Andre of rest of like music related right. wrestling performances. Right. Like, so. no, they're not technically the best, but if you don't have them, you miss out on these all time moments. This is the whole reason we watch this shit. Right. So, there we go. We've, we've mended the fence there. Awesome. Okay. Fair enough. I'm going to allow it, which is a thing that I'm doing now. Um, so our main event of the evening for the WCW, which I guess kind of works there, championship, because we're talking about the championship, <laughs> not the legal yeah. entity of World Championship yeah. Wrestling. The, David the article Arquette, works there grammatically. Yes. Yes. That's a much more scientific way to describe it, and I appreciate that. Uh, David Arquette and Diamond Dallas Page defeat Jeff Jarrett and Eric Bischoff via a crazy parent trap type scenario, and the new World Championship Wrestling heavyweight champion is none other than David Arquette. Um, This is a pivotal moment in history. Um, I think something that's very overlooked from this is that if you watch it on the Peacock WWE Network, when Kimberly comes out, they forgot to dub her theme music, and Eric Bischoff's Desperado theme song finally makes the podcast. Do you think she is the... She's got to be the second most attractive ref after Mark Curtis, right? Um, I am not that much are of you, a Kimberly you, fan, so are, are, I'm oh, going to be. So, in, I'm Camp wow, Curtis. So 
So you're gonna put Curtis and Pee Wee above? Here's the thing with with referee Mark Curtis because that's how you have to say his name because that's how they always said it on WCB TV. <laughs> I feel I feel like even though it might sound like to be fun to be on the road with Kimberly, I feel like Mark Curtis could like roll me a cigarette like one handed <laughs> with his eyes closed if I ever needed one, or like help me get out of a jam like he knows a guy like he knows the phone number you call when you're in the jam like i just feel like he's more of a utility guy um whereas kimberly would just it just wouldn't work for me as a person Uh, but assuming you're looking for it you're looking for utility here from your referee (laughs) yeah yeah, i'm well i I, i've what i've done is i've given all my potential traveling companions uh, a weighted score and i'm trying to find the trap, the, the traveling buddy above replacement. Okay. I don't think Got those it. letters actually work with that phrase, but there is a really cool wrestling above replacement show in the North South uh, that I think hits every other Friday. Uh, it's really cool. They cover, they're on 2011 right now, which is uh, like a real big blind spot for me. And I'm really enjoying it. Uh, their analysis of Alex Riley and uh, R Truth is very, very entertaining to me. There, I plugged a show in the middle of the main event. Um, yeah, Kim's the ref, though. Uh, they brawl. Is anyone else surprised that the DDP Jeff Jarrett match starts with a brawl in the crowd? I wish Ryan was here because it's his favorite. He loves that shit. <laughs> yeah, I remember on the last one, he was very uh, very positive yeah. about the brawling. <laughs> it's yes. A, yeah, it's a, a Jeff Jarrett staple. Oh, goodness. Oh, for sure. It's his world, you know? Do you think sure. that the original lyrics to My World were Pipe World? Uh, remembering Jared's favorite night, he spent WCW with his friends Easy E and David Arquette, and he's like, I want to do a song called Pipe World, Pipe World, but they changed it to My World. It's got a, you know, I don't think there's any other like reasonable explanation, you know? Yeah, I mean, it I, clearly. Pipe World. Um, Pipe World. They do a. Um, <laughs> They do a great spot where where Kimberly goes down. Well, Bischoff and Arquette disappear, which is kind of a, I guess, fine. You know, makes it more just a singles match for the championship for all you purists out there. Uh, but I think we're way past that. She does the one, two. Oh, I broke a nail. <laughs> I thought it was pretty fucking funny. Yeah, that was good. I didn't, she did a good. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I didn't necessarily see it coming because they have, they do eventually go into like the typical. You know, she does a fast count when Jarrett's on top, and she does a real slow count when Paige is on top, which is typical of your out, 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 extroverted uh, heel referee or outwardly facing heel referee. She's open about it. Uh, one point, Tanae delivers this dynamite. The deck is stacked, and so is the referee. <laughs> Horny today. Yeah, I know, man. He's just yeah. all the. Well, what's it, Karen? Is it Karen Tanay? I learned from listening to the back catalog of TNA Never Dies, which will return after a brief hi- hi- hiatus. Um, I think K- Tanay's wife is named Karen, which just sounds perfect. Right. Mike and um, Karen. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, she's definitely, you know, signing on the Christmas cards, things like we miss you and stuff like that. And Tanay's like, I don't miss her. You're misusing the word we. If it's we, we both miss her. And Karen's just like dominating him. <laughs> right. Bischoff comes back and DDP starts selling for him. So I guess at this point, Bischoff's the. See, there haven't been a lot of tags. And I do want to think about this because we know this is the moment that, you know, lives in infamy. 
it it is a tag match, but it's like tornado rules. Did that stand out to yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. It, no way it was. I mean, another thing about it is it's just incredibly short. Like for me, it uh, is so something that's so like it was shocking when I watched it. Like as big of a deal as it ends up being and how infamous it is. I was like getting towards the end of the show. I'm like, man, this is only going to be like four minutes or something like. Um, so I guess it makes sense because for the time they had, they wouldn't even been able to do like a. Uh, they yeah they they weren't working the uh, the classic tag formula in this one. <laughs> no, there was no not a real big heat segment for the face and peril. Right, right. So it it is a double team on DDP and Arquette comes back, and straight up harpoons Eric Bischoff. Now, it's not a spear when Gordy the Law does it. It's a harpoon for all you Ready to Rumble fans out there. You, can you back me up on that? It, it, yeah, you are. He is the uh, – what's his character at the end? I know he's a cop, but it's the uh, – They call uh, him the Gordy the Law. Oh, the, the Law. Yeah, he just said it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to remember that right off the bat. I've seen that movie so many times. but I yeah. love Martin Landau in that movie. He does not get enough positive okay. things said about him. Uh, Crap him and the line. That's a classic. <laughs> and Oliver Platt too. I feel like I talk about Oliver Platt at least once per episode. His performance is so underappreciated in like mainstream. Look, it's nothing, but it, it's very funny because you know Oliver Platt knows what he's doing with this character. You know, and I just that's think a it's weird great. part of of this match too is that you would think that would be like they would just be like constantly talking about Ray to Rumble or something, but they really don't. I dude, they're three weeks too late. I mean, this re- this ready to rumble tie-in is long after it could have done any good for that film. Right, and <laughs> it, it already sunk at the box office by the time they did. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Like I don't, I don't bemoan them for doing this. Look, I know it's not. It's not like. Like, do you remember that episode of SmackDown was on where Schwarzenegger was promoting End of Days, which is an underrated classic. And right. he hits, tri- he beats up Triple H, and he says Triple H on commentary, and it's really cool. It's funny as shit. Right. But now, if somehow, you know, if I don't remember who Triple H is fighting, but if his opponent would have pulled a Bret Hart and grab from WrestleMania Nine and grabbed Schwarzenegger, would have been like, go, go, and Schwarzenegger would have been like, whoo, like you know, and, and pulls the Hogan WrestleMania Nine and goes in and wins the title. I would have believed it, right? Because it's Schwarzenegger. Maybe there's something missing here, but like, is DDP happy at the end of this? Like, it seems like well, DDP would be kind of like, or is he just assuming Arquette's going to give him the title back or something? Well, yeah, let's let's hit the finish. But no, I have the I have the exact same note. Let's hit the finish. Right. So okay. after that harpoon, DDP gets hit with a belt by Jarrett, and at this like, something happened to Kimberly. She's out. So I rewound this. I'm giving it a lot of credit here, Arquette legitimately hits the spot he performs what a professional wrestler is supposed to do when he hits the spear he covers bischoff just about a half second before d before jared covers ddp okay so he's legitimately the active pinner if you want to get technical that's what my lawyer told me to call him and mickey j slides in and counts one two three at this moment, Arquette's music hits. Well, it's supposed to be We're Not Gonna Take It by Biff Naked, but it's this dubbed over shit. Heenan legit does the Darth Vader. What? If you've ever seen Star Wars Episode <laughs> yeah. Four, when his yes. buddies get blown up in the trench, he just goes, What? 
Uh, that's what Bobby says. And they announced that Arquette's the champion. And yeah, DDP is like laughing, like, are you serious? Well, here we go. Like, I guess this just happened. What is that character statement? Yeah, like, I don't. I guess he's going by what you said earlier. Like, he's just happy that M- Monkey won. <laughs> oh, or, Monkey, you did it, baby. <laughs> yeah, like, but, yeah, it's it's weird. It doesn't make sense. It's an interesting thing that I think gets overlooked because everybody just wants to shit on, like, the press of it happening. Like, David Arquette won the title. But in the narrative itself, it's kind of a weird, like, I don't want to call it a botch. But it's a weird, like, what does this mean for the story we're telling? And since it's a wrestling podcast, you know, talk about the actual story, I just wasn't sure. Tanae says, what does this mean for the future of WCW? And it's 20, like, one years later, and it's, like, the most meta thing I've ever heard in wrestling. It's crazy. Right. Yeah, it's weirdly, like, I felt like the thing, it wasn't, like, as I was watching this, like, well, David Arquette wins the title. That's stupid or whatever. It was almost like it was too, like, it didn't feel big enough. Like, it just didn't, like, I wanted there to be, like, more ridiculousness and, like, absurd. It'd be, like, a big elaborate production. But it's, like, they come out there, like, the whole thing lasts, like, eight minutes or something. It's real, like, it's it shocked me watching this again how, like, kind of quick and to the point it was, you know? Like, I almost want there to be, like, more bullshit and, like, pomp and circumstance to it to make it more fun. Like, I was almost disappointed in it not being more right. ridiculous. And that's – I'm so glad – that's a, one of the – I think that's one of the things that's so interesting about this particular moment in time and one of the things that gets missed is that it really has to be seen to be believed, not because of the choice they made, but because given the choice they made – there's all this like strange meta commentary surrounding this match. It doesn't feel special from a wrestling standpoint. Oh. It's in this arena that only has like 1,500 people, and then they start throwing garbage in the ring. And I don't think that <laughs> should be overlooked because this is not Hulk Hogan's turn heel heat garbage. This is I'm angry garbage. And that's a very interesting thing because nowadays we can react to anything instantly on Twitter. If Charlotte botches a moonsault, sorry, Charlotte, I still love you. But if Charlotte botches a moonsault, like the wrestling community on Twitter is all over it. Okay. It's all over it. Here, the only Twitter we have are the 1,500 people in that arena. And <laughs> social media did not react kindly to this. It was so interesting to me to see that happening. Yeah. It's like, it feels so haphazard. Like, it feels so thrown together. Like you were saying, the DDB part, it's like they didn't because they decided to do this so quickly, they didn't really have any time to, and I guess it was, it was a style at the time that they just kind of threw these things together and didn't really think much about the, you know, like I feel like anything can work in wrestling, but you just have to make it work. And I feel like the, mm-hmm. the main issue I had watching this is that it just felt thrown together. Like, you don't know why DDP would be happy. This is happening. Like it just, and like, even on commentary, they're not like, like you made a good point about the pin that the pin actually does work, but like I don't think on commentary they made probably because they didn't know what the finish was going to be or they weren't told. Like they don't yeah. really, they're not able to like get over what the story is because they probably don't know on commentary really what story or what they're trying to get across here. And to me, that's like a bigger issue than just 
David Arquette winning the title. I mean, that's just a, a random thing. He wins the title on Thunder. You know, it, whatever you do after, you can always retcon it after. But I feel like the bigger issue is just how thrown together it is. Yeah, the bigger issue is exactly that. It's on a show that is supposed to be spectacular. And I don't mean that from like a jokey perspective. Like the biggest spectacle you have on the show just feels like a throwaway segment. And right. it should be the the biggest yeah. the biggest thing you put on under the big top, you know. Um, yeah, like I all, did, the, all the bells and whistles and gaga and craziness you could think of. Like, like if you're going to do something like this, it's obviously not going to be like a great traditional wrestling thing. So you might as well go the other end of it. Like, that's the only shot you have or else it just kind of feels a little flat. You know, I'll, I'll say multiverse again because I want the hits. But I, I love to see a, a different universe where this happens on a live Nitro. I want to and, and we get that reaction and like a, maybe a, a bigger market, um, you know, just to see the instant revolt from the audience, because this is thunder. It's a little subdued, but it's, you know, I just kind of want to see how it happens and how it unfolds in that type of an environment. But because of all the meta stuff that's happening as I'm watching this segment of, re- of a produced wrestling show and everything that happens, I, I gave this segment four stars because i'm entertained from a very different perspective i don't know what you yeah. i don't know if that resonates yeah, it's or not, a, but it's it's a hard one to rate it's like like i don't think i would go like some like zero dud or something for you know for this you know I, sure. going for even the of, wrestling of the, for, right i'm going i'm going off of your kind of rating scale here it's like i didn't because there's like things i've watched in wcw where like after you watch it you can be like kind of angry because just like stupid i didn't really find myself feeling that way after watching this i was kind of like well that happened like you know yeah. it didn't really it was just kind of right. there so i think based on that i'll probably go in the two two-ish range maybe you know yeah, the, the total package of if we're thinking of it, the whole deal, not just if we're rating this, not just on the wrestling because it's wrestling, you know, like yeah, just never just the, it's, and, then, and went to the fit. Right, right. It's it's never just the wrestling. Those are words to live by. <laughs> right. So I, if we go by the, the, the whole package, I'd probably go just like a down the middle on it because it just. Yeah, it was just kind of there. It was just like a, another kind of another thing they did. Yeah, it's a it's a spectacular example of how unspectacular something can be. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, no no spoilers here, but like I you know I made a couple of jokes like I about multiverses and shit. Like I went and saw Spider Man like the day it came out, and there's so much hype surrounding it. But I was I was impressed that even with all the hype, they could still impress me or surprise me. Right. You know, that was on. You know, that's your spectacle spectacular they did everything that they could to bring it together because they knew they had to this is the complete opposite of that you would feel that internally you have all this pressure to really deliver and it's just segment 12 on the on the call sheet yeah i agree I'm pretty, I'm pretty much with you yeah it didn't it didn't bring out any real strong emotions of like this is great ridiculousness or this is like the worst thing I've ever seen. Like, I feel like I've seen much worse, like frustrating things watching WCW than this. Thank you. I've seen much, I've seen things that are much more frustrating. Another great phrase to live by specifically in regards to watching specific episodes of 2000 WCW. Now I am not, 
I'm not a math major. I took they, the university forced me to take one math class because it was a gen ed requirement. So I did that. I got my B and I left. Um, but I did some math and I took my star rankings again because I knew what they were and I didn't do yours. I apologize. And I've got one at two stars. I've got two at three. I've got two at four and I have two at five. That's a 3.71 average plus some really great interviewing segments. And again, these are entertainment stars, uh, but also really good segments, funny shit set on the mic, ridiculousness. I know that you're the guest and I should probably ask you first, but since I've already come this far, I gave this a nine out of 10. I think it's one of my favorite little shows that I feel like I could throw on at any time and still get the house chores done or ignore it or just whatever. And I have doubts that anything that I watch in the future for this show will touch it. I think, I, I don't think I'm going to go quite as high. Um, you know, Which is fine. You have, you, it, you have credibility to, to hold on but, to. And I appreciate that. No, but, but even, you know, I'm trying to go off the, off the rubric that the teacher's given me here, you know, like I'm trying to work under the, because, you know, I don't think it's going to be any, you know, any fun if I just say, oh, all the matches weren't that great, you know, whatever. Sure. <laughs> too. Sure. But off of this scale, I would I would probably lean more in like the, the six range, like not really like, you know, there's some entertaining stuff. There's some stuff that was just kind of there, but I feel like I needed that, you know. And we didn't really talk about it much, but they built this throughout the entire show. I mean, all the building was was just like repeated segments of David Arquette getting thrown around the building. But they did kind of build this up through the show that this was, you know, that main event was what the show was going to be about. And so I feel like my kind of meh feelings on the main event kind of maybe clouded just a bit. But I'm with you. I mean, there was I like the flair stuff bringing up going all crazy with that. Um, the, The Tammy match was absurd and kind of fun for its absurdity. Uh, so there was some fun stuff throughout this. We get Dork Kidman, which was fun. You know, the, Hor- we you get some get great a- horny Mike Tanay, some pretty, some horny pretty good Mike brain, Tanae. some good check that brain. And I mean, if we're going with it, a legit good match with Mike Austin and Booker. So yeah. I feel like if that main event gives me something a little bit more, more, I think maybe I'd go higher, but I, but I think I'm going to stick with a six. Let's go to six. Okay. And that, and that's fair because I will, you know, I, the app, my average is skewed by that four. Well, it's the two. It's kind of funny. Yes, I use them to obviously a different scale, but I gave like the Chris Canyon match my lowest ranking, um, which is like, which is too bad because Canyon is a great, great entertainer. Uh, but, you know, he's in there with Stasiak and it, it, that's just the low tier New Blood Millionaires Club stuff really has little to offer me. And even in terms of entertainment. Right. But it's, um, it's like Wrestle, WrestleMania 10, the two five-star matches, you know, carry it. It, it does, man. I can't – I'm blown away. Like, initially when I gave Sting in the Wall five stars, I was like, this is so short, but I'm so – like, I loved every awful, pathetic, fuck-up second of it that I had to go five stars on it. And I felt kind of like it's maybe too short to blow my five-star wad on that. But then the Tammy Paisley thing happened, and I was like, this is legit five stars without even blinking. And um, so I stuck with it. But if you only have time to watch one of these classics, I'm going Tammy Paisley for sure. If you only, 
if you only have time. Like, you just don't have the time to squeeze in that 30-second sting match. <laughs> and, and, and guys, if you do, you, minutes in the day. You, you, you can skip to the halfway mark where Sting does the posh sunset flip. It, the thud is just so loud. <laughs> I had to do it. Oh, that's good stuff. And and I think I'm going to add, okay, <laughs> I, I want to see all the, the, put a bow on this, but I, I have to ask you this. Do you want to rethink your six after I mentioned or remind you that we did get in the wild a true Mark Marrow sighting? I mean, this is the end of Marrow. <laughs> is it worth that extra <laughs> one point? Are we, try, are we trying to go up or down here? <laughs> the absurdity. Okay. Like half star Mara for his golden Okay. Oh, Honestly, it's, it's beautiful. For, it's for his buddy, um, his buddy Rinaldi. That's what the half stars for. Rinaldi's it's right. Like, like, yeah, he's like, all right, Tank Abbott. I'll cut. He's like in his dockers. Like, I'm going to take you on, Tank Abbott. Jump out the ground and beat you up, you psychopath. Uh, well, he's a high—he's a high-paid athlete. He's got to get out there and prove himself. Uh, you know, I think that this was a great show. I think that you and I were—I I had a lot of fun doing this show. I, I'm not going to proclaim the greatness of my own uh, production, but I really appreciate you coming on to talk about this. I was really excited to talk about it. I hope that everyone caught that. Um, and it was short um, notice, and I had a blast hanging out with you, friend. That was just a lot of fun. Yeah, it was it was great. It was good hanging out with you too, monkey. <laughs> oh, I want you to come back and see us, monkey. So uh, Ryan should be back with me next time. Um, but a free state of the invitation. If anything catches your eye in the future at WCW, perhaps if Lash LaRue main events a big show, please do come back and see us. Uh, check out any of the content we've got here at the North South Podcast uh, Connection. Uh, there's a lot of evergreen content. I don't really know what that means, but I listen to enough of the the, show, the shows to know that JT always says it. So, no, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, you, it's stuff you can listen to anytime, covering different eras of wrestling. Get ruthlessly aggressive with it. You know, count down that wrestling above replacement score. And uh, please do have a happy holiday season. I want to wish that to you, too, my friend. Enjoy whatever it is the hell you're going to do on your federally mandated day off. Thank you. Thank you so much. I will definitely do so. And thanks for having awesome. me. Absolutely. Um, I think that's it. I'm done. This is Johnny C. And he's Jake. And uh, thanks for watching. Or listening. Because you don't really watch us. Do you? No, you don't. Take it easy. But I have a blue, 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 blue Christmas.
Christmas of white, but I have a blue, 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 blue Christmas.